Welcome to the Jesus Didn't Die for This Podcast with your hosts, Annie Cinco and Dean Ruiz. It's just two millennial women facetiously unpacking their generational, religious, and personal trauma. However, and wherever you enjoy your podcast, we hope you'll spend some time with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, it's time for the show. This is Dean Rees, and you are listening to an episode of Jesus Didn't Die for This, the facetious comedy podcast dedicated to unpacking a generation's religious trauma. Today, we're going to be talking about therapy goals. It's sort of a continuation of our last episode with Aaron, but also in honor of November being Family Stories Month. We are discussing our personal stories and how therapy has kind of helped us shape and understand them. So one of the things I did to approach this topic was write out that stupid um, outline we always did when we were kids, you know, the who, what, where, why, when, and how. So for me, I'm really excited to talk about this episode because I am the kind of person who's always about a to-do list. Like everything needs to have steps. Like my executive dysfunction is like 17 sub-steps of one thing. And that's hard because therapy doesn't really give you the space to do that because therapy is not as tangible as the material world. You know, therapy is a lot of dealing with what's going on inside and with dealing what's going on inside is kind of how um, you process things outside. So when I first started therapy, I know that I had a list of like all these things I didn't want to have anymore. Like I didn't want to have panic attacks and I didn't want to have anxiety and I didn't want to bite my nails and I didn't want to emotionally eat. And while those are great goals and those are great dreams and aspirations to have, um, that's not really something that can be ticked off uh, like that. As my current therapist says, it is going to take time to rewire your brain and create new patterns in your brain. And um, so the first most important thing about creating goals in therapy is to be patient. (laughs) Um, So that's, yeah, that's like my first thing is to be patient um, with yourself, with your therapist, and also patient in deciding what you want to kind of mark as a as a goal or an objective for for setting therapy goals in in my opinion um the who is should always be you and your therapist um because if you're anything like me you have very high and lofty ambitions and thankfully you have you should have a therapist who can kind of help you bring it down to earth in a way mm-hmm. where it's like this is actually something that's attainable um, yeah, help you and help you make actual steps towards that. So not yes. only is it attainable, but it's something you can actually make progress towards. When we think about what kind of goals or what we should have as goals, I have found, because I've done a lot of, re- see, this is the thing, like I've done a lot of reading, but like I haven't done reading in a way in which I could kind of pull things up and kind of quote things. I'm not the best at that, but I've done a lot of reading into just therapy and mental health in general. And one of the most important things is uh, 
to kind of adapt to what it is that you need. So like I just said, I'm a very tangible person. And so for me, I need tangible goals. And so that's why I need to do it with my therapist because um, I I did have a goal where I was like, I'm not going to bite my nails anymore. And that lasted like two days, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because it was like, no, that's not going to work. Um, you need to solve why you're biting your nails. Exactly. That you're biting your nails. Exactly. You know, and so I found that I kind of look at things very surface level, but that's because I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional. You know, I'm just kind of mm-hmm. dealing more with the symptoms more than the actual cause. And in my experience with, with therapy, my five years of experience with therapy, um, the first few years that I was in therapy, I feel like I didn't actually do anything compared to what I'm doing now. I don't know if you feel that way. I can way. relate to that. I okay. can totally relate to that. I yeah. feel like I was spinning a lot of wheels just in my, I have, I've had four therapists. I've probably been in therapy after about five years combined. So, but with my current therapist for two and a half years and with a lot of those other therapists, it was just wheel spinning because yeah. we were just dealing with symptoms, not the actual root cause um, because yeah, surprise in uh, area saturated with religious trauma. A lot of my therapists weren't religious trauma informed and neither was I. So I didn't know. Yeah. I And that sort of goes into why, like why you need therapy goals. And I think there is an important time for everyone to give themselves some grace where um, you're not when you when you first start therapy like we've just discussed it, you don't really do anything. I mean, for me, I felt like I was paying a woman for me to just sit and complain about my mom for two years. Like I, I basically felt like I was just paying a woman to sit and complain about my mom for two years. And mm-hmm. the first few sessions, that was a hundred percent what it was. You know, the first six months, that was a hundred percent what it was. But it was through that that we started unpacking and like peeling off layers of things. And so when I first walked into Judy's, my first therapist, Judy, when I first walked into Judy's office, I remember sitting down with her and she's like, so what's going on? And I was like, so I have mom issues. (laughs) And she was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, yeah. So I like, cause I went in knowing I went in knowing where the roadblock was. And I think that mm-hmm. helps. Uh, that's sort of like, that, that That really is the why. It's like, why are you going into therapy? I knew, I started therapy because I knew that I had issues that were tied to my mother and I would not have the life I deserved if I did not go and get those taken care of. So yeah, so it started at just like, Literally me paying $25 every two weeks for me to complain about my mom for an hour and cry to some lady. And um, and, and then it started becoming more than that. And I think once you've gone through that awkward beginning phase, uh, that's when you can start thinking about setting goals for therapy. But... Um, not saying that you can't do it before, 
but like it might be a little bit easier. Like in hindsight, it's probably a little easier to wait until you're out of the awkward stage. You said you had a wear. What's your wear? Okay, my wear is my Google Doc. So my therapist and I share a Google Doc, um, which I have found extremely helpful in my therapy journey. But I have found that um, instead of constantly emailing him or texting him, it's a way for me to kind of get my thoughts down about what I either want to structure our therapy conversations Mm -hmm. around, or it's just a way for me to share kind of like, I'm doing a lot of different healing modalities and a lot of different like workshops and like different things. So it's for a way for me to kind of like share all mm-hmm. that with him. And then he can on his own time, you can just look through it, kind of mm-hmm. see like where my head's at for that week and be like, okay, this is what we're getting into. So that's helped me then and him, I think, start to structure our therapy sessions so that they're more, um, Rather than me taking the first like 15 minutes to 20 minutes to explain where I'm at, he already kind of knows right. like, where it's going to be. So we can just hit the ground running. I like that. So I found that it's been really, really helpful for I me. I like that. And like some weeks I have like more than two pages of just like random thoughts and notes. And some weeks it's just like a link and other weeks it's just like a meme or two. So is but that something it's... you like, is that something you like do every day or is it just like when you think about it? Um. It's just when I think about it. So it's just, I created a Google Doc and I um, put each heading is like whatever week and day our session is. Um, So I have all that and then it's just my notes underneath Mm. it. So that's, I I haven't... um, I haven't heard of too many other people who have Google Docs with their therapist. I love that concept though. But that's that's kind of my wear because that helps me to... um, it helps with therapy. It helps with the continuation of therapy. And for a while, especially when I was early in my trauma processing, it really helped me to like get all my thoughts out Mm -hmm. there. And he would comment on it throughout the week or like when he read it. So it was almost like we were able to go back and forth, even though we weren't in session, Mm -hmm. it was still, it was really helpful for me to get some of that validation Mm -hmm. um, and some of that initial feedback that I needed as I was like starting to process like something that was so like life altering Mm -hmm. and so huge. Mm -hmm. Um, That was so big for me. So that was a really, really great tool for us. And we still use it to this day. I like that. I think that's a great idea. Like just having sort of like a place where you can just dump all of your thoughts and then let Mm -hmm. them kind of notice patterns and figure out what it is that needs to be talked about. I I feel like I always have to disclaimer, but every obviously everything I'm saying is my opinions. I am not a professional or any of that jazz. But for me, it was like the amount of times where I had to bring people into my healing journey when I didn't want to was staggering. Mm-hmm. The amount of times yeah. that I wanted, I, I didn't, I wanted to fix my abandonment issues by myself. I didn't want to have to bring other people into my abandonment issues because that negates mm-hmm. the point of conquering abandonment issues. <laughs> But the amount of times where I've had to just, like, bring my partner into my abandonment issues and say, hey, when you do X, Y, and Z, it makes my brain go like this. And so what can we do 
that makes it work because I did try the thing where I was like, I don't like you when you do that. Stop doing that because it makes my brain go crazy. Not realizing I was doing the same thing to him. You know, like I was just like, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just taking my trauma and just like throwing it on top of his trauma and making him deal with it. But the amount of conversations that we had to sit down and be like, hey, when my voice starts getting raised and he starts shutting down and then I get defensive because he starts shutting down, it's just like this back and forth. And it was amazing the amount of collaboration you needed just to help with yourself. Mm -hmm. And not even just with partners, but I mean like with friends. I feel like it's easy to kind of point out things with partners, but I feel like with friends it can be a little bit more difficult to identify how things are with that. I know for me, one of the Mm -hmm. big things was um, one of the big things was just learning to tell my friends I don't have the capacity to deal with this right now. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. And like having a conversation with them to be like, hey, I'm working on boundaries and therapy. And so one of the things I have to do is like stop saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. If I do this, please know it's not you. It's I'm I'm dealing with shit. You know? Exactly. Um because yeah, I I I do think that I don't know. I think I think relationship. I, I think um, non like romantic relation. I think romantic relationships are always emphasized when it comes to having a support system. But I personally think platonic relationships are probably more imperative to a support system than romantic ones. What do you? For sure. Yeah. We haven't talked about what I can Mm -hmm. speak a little bit to that because my favorite, my favorite corporate stuff is the smart goal. Oh my God. (laughs) I love it. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. Smart. Yep. (laughs) So, and I've, um, yeah, I've been at this company for seven years. I've been setting goals um, that are somewhat relevant to my career path for seven years there as well. So it's always been a struggle to um, get the measurable and the time bound for me. But I feel like having that framework is especially important to in therapy because you only have six, you know, 55 minutes if you're lucky mm-hmm. with them, you know, once a week or twice a week or, you know, every other week. So it's important that you're getting um, getting your money's worth. Yeah. How do you what? It, how do you do measurable? That I'm I'm so intrigued with the measurable and time bound when it comes to therapy goals because I'm still trying to figure that out. I know. Um, well, I can speak to one for me measurable. So when I first started therapy with my therapist, one of my initial goals, too, was just um, increasing or enhancing my ability to cope 
um, with the, uh, or I had a friend that was diagnosed with a terminal illness. So it was beginning to cope with what that meant and like the loss and expanding what I didn't think I had the expansion towards. Mm -hmm. So part of the measurable was just being able to get up each yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that sometimes it, sometimes it can be something as simple as that. Like just, are you able to get through the day just in function? Yeah. And it's like, that, that can be something that's measurable. Yeah. And if the answer is no, that's fine. That just shows like that's an area to that work, you, have, yeah. you can yeah. work on, but it's starting to, starting to be able to like notice the okay so like I went from being triggered by it say like four times a day then you know it was increasingly less yeah. and less um so in decreasing I think some of those triggers is also another way that it can be measurable mm -hmm. like some days you know you may be more sensitive or more um yeah, more easily triggered than others but if you're noticing that those are starting to decrease that's also another way that you can yeah. measure yeah, that is, see, that is always so interesting. I, I think, I, I remember for me, I tried to do a goal that was like, no panic attacks. I don't want to have any panic attacks. And obviously that didn't work <laughs> because it wasn't about having panic attacks. It was what we ended up figuring out what it was, is that like, I needed to learn how to give myself grace. And mm -hmm. um, it's really funny. I don't know. I, Tell me if you felt this way, but there's so many like buzzwords that Christianity has kind of ruined yes. for me. So like, mm -hmm. I thought that as soon as you pretty said, much, give yourself grace, because I had the same thought Pretty earlier. much any word that's the fruit of the spirit is ruined for me. So when they're like, yep. you're like, do you feel peace? I'm like, no, I do not have the peace, which just passes all understanding and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and, you know, so anything that was a fruit of the spirit is pretty much like fuck for me. Cause I'm just, it's so tainted. And, um, so one of my things has actually been to start using those words in their intended way, not the Christian way. Yes. So <laughs> I've been using the word grace a lot. Uh, give myself grace. And, um, before, when I would say, oh, just give yourself grace, it would be more of a remember that you are a lowly human and you will not be perfect, but God loves you anyway. And now when I say I give myself grace, it's, hey, I'm not perfect. And so I'm going to respond in ways that I don't like and I'll feel bad about it later. But I just have to remind myself that I'm not perfect and I just need to work towards not having that response anymore. Which, mm -hmm. Oops, I'm human. Oops, I'm human. Which it might not sound like, I know it might not sound like a really big difference, but it really is. It really helps you reframe mm -hmm. your experiences. Yeah. And like, I know for me, like when it was like, oh, just learn about patience. It was all God's timing. God's timing. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. You know, it's like his ways are not our ways. And that's what patience meant to me. And and now, mm. now patience is, I'm going to get there when I get there. Like, I'm going to get there when, I'm get, when I get there. And, you know, 
even if it sounds a little morbid, it's like the average life expectancy of American is what, 70s, 80s? And I'm barely in my 30s. Like, I've got 50 years to get this shit figured out. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's one of the ways that I, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's no rush. Like, there really isn't. I feel like, I feel like in Christianity too, you always had that pressure placed on you, right? Like you always had to get to that spot or you always had to like be a certain way or like always, it was always be ready, right? You always had to be mm-hmm. ready. And it's just like you, when you realize you don't have to live your life with that stress and like with that anxiety, um, yeah, it just helps you embrace your humanity a little bit more and like be more gracious with yourself. When I first started therapy, some of my goals were, like I've said, to kind of like stop biting my nails, stop uh, having panic attacks, blah, 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 blah. Obviously not good ones. Um, but they kind of grew into one, like the ones I have now. And I, I one of the biggest goals I have right now is to learn to give myself grace. And the other biggest goal I have right now that is very difficult is to give myself rest. Mm, That's a good one. And I don't know how to do that. Like I truly, truly don't know how to do that. And there's lots of reasons for that. You know, there's lots of reasons for that. Um, but for me, it's been very um, eye-opening to consciously think, okay, how can I make sure that I give myself rest? And then when I approach my life like that, it makes it easier to kind of talk about it in therapy. So I'll be like, oh, it was Saturday and we had done the house cleaning and so... I was torn between running a hot bath and reading my book or not and doing something else. And I just ended up wasting the day away because I kept trying to come up with more important things to do than the one thing I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. which is take a bath and read my book. And I have found that a really good way to force myself to see rest as a necessity and to see self-care as a necessity is to literally add it to my daily to-do list. Even if you're not in therapy and you just want to talk about like your mental health goals or your like emotional wellness goals, like sit down and, and think about what makes you happy. And if you're like me, I couldn't do that three years ago. So I literally... Mm-hmm. I would literally just like go through bustle articles, 17 magazine articles and go through like the entertainment section and be like, what do people in my age, you know, like what do, what do sound people like to do, you know? And I would yeah. go through like those stupid, like, oh my God, like top 15 things you have to do in October, you know, I would go through those and I would actually Mm -hmm. pick things and I might hate them, but it helped me start figuring out what I actually liked and what I actually didn't like doing. Yes. Which is so huge when you've been raised in a fundamentalist religion. Exactly. You're not allowed to, 
You're not allowed to have likes, even though you're not allowed to want. Yep. Or even worse, you're not allowed to need anything. No, no, you're not allowed to need anything. And so, Except you know, the grace of God. But, but you don't need anything but God. You know, you don't need anything but God. And so, being able to um, do that is huge. Are there ways that you have voluntarily or involuntarily set goals for yourself or for your therapy? Yes. Um, most of them have been involuntary. I feel like one of my biggest goals was just getting through this past trip that I went on. So we did three weeks abroad and that I was so nervous for, not only with my gastroparesis, um, which has greatly affected my ability to eat food and just enjoy food in general, but also just with all my triggers and knowing that there would be a lot of stress and anxiety. I feel like one of my biggest goals and focuses was just being able to have enough strength and resources to get through what I knew would be an insanely like triggering trip, um, even though it was a lot of fun and it was a lot um, of really well-needed rest and relaxation like it still was like it could be triggering at times and like we definitely had mm-hmm. to work through a lot of that um because you're still in a foreign country and you're still dealing with all the all the things and all the stresses of travel especially travel with covid and there's still you know different regulations in different places mm-hmm. so for me that was one of the biggest things and honestly it was kind of a marker too that i was able to get through it with only having one gastroparesis episode um, and I didn't have any um, PTSD flashbacks or episodes, which I was so proud of myself to be able to get through that without um, That's amazing. getting insanely triggered like I have been in the past. Yeah. Um, so now, like coming back, I feel like um, I've been I've only had two therapy sessions since coming back. But just seeing now that I'm kind of in a different place, not only have we now going on this trip and have that under my belt, but also like going to kind of a different season of life is like I need to kind of take a step back and reassess where I've been in therapy and like what mm-hmm. I've been working on but then also coming up with some new goals for this new season and this new approach so I'm starting to mm-hmm. explore what that's um, going to be like so I feel like that's going to be more of a intentional goal setting process that I work through with my therapist whereas in the mm-hmm. past is kind of is more been natural um, as I've been working through my mainly just working through my triggers has been my Mm -hmm. main goal has been decreasing those. um, Mm -hmm. And that's been through a combination of exposure and also just reminding myself like how okay things are and like how in the past a lot of this is and how Mm -hmm. I just need to remember that I'm okay now I'm in the present. Like I do have my resources. I do have people Mm -hmm. um, and I can take care of myself now. Like, it's a Mm -hmm. big thing, like, just constantly reminding myself that even though I feel like I may not be in control at the time, it's like, no, okay, like, I do got this. Like, I can Mm -hmm. take care of myself and I can, like, get through this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huge. It it is, it is huge. Um, yeah. My, yeah, it, it, it is just huge to just kind of have the ability to stop yourself and be like, hey, 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 that was then. This is now. Yep. Like, I think having that ability has made me a better human to myself. Mm-hmm. 
more than anything. I feel like I was always a really good human to other people, but I wasn't always a really good human to myself. And I feel like I'm finally starting to treat myself the way I treat other people, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I I've actually have a, a, a spicy hot take where um, I think we say the golden rule backwards. I think we should say treat ourselves the way you treat other people because yes. um, most of the time people who are mean and rude and cool and unkind to other people is because that's how they think about themselves. Mm-hmm. And we kind of always say, and and so for me, I know it was always like, you have to be nice to people, you know? And so <laughs> the amount of times where I will say, oh, Nathaniel, or I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell someone like, oh, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And they'll be like, why? And I'm like, because it's wrong or because you can't do that to someone else. But then I will easily do all of those things to myself. Like, yep. you can't yell at you can't yell at that kid for spilling his juice. He's a kid. He has accidents, whatever. But then I make a mistake and it's like, oh my God, you know, like you're a mess. Yep. You can't do anything right. And um it isn't until I started giving myself love and space and respect do I feel like I actually um What's the word? I feel like until I started treating myself like that, it's when it stopped becoming um, a choice to treat other people that way. Because previously I would treat myself badly and then I'd be, I'd come up to a person and it's like, do I treat them nicely or do I treat them not nicely? Mm -hmm. But now since I only treat myself nicely Treating someone else badly doesn't really seem like an option anymore. It's like I don't even think about it as an option anymore because I'm like, why would I? You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. In this episode, we discussed uh, what therapy goals are. And while they are complicated and complex, The important things about therapy goals is that they are adaptive and flexible, that you are patient with them, that you create tangible goals that you can track, and that you make sure you give yourself enough time. Obviously, you want to make sure that your therapy goals are vetted by your therapist or other healthcare professional, because sometimes we have a habit of only thinking about the surface issues, and they can help you dig deeper and figure out what's actually wrong. Um. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at JDDFTPodcast. And then you can email us at JDDFTPodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, just want to chat, you have any recommendations, or if you have people that you think would be a good guest, uh, please, please, please feel free to message us. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, we have several tiers starting for as low as $1 a month, and every tier gets free, 
free non-ad listens to our full episodes right when they launch. This has been the Jesus Didn't Die for This podcast with Andy Cinco and Dean Ruiz. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, however and wherever you may enjoy your podcast. We'll see you next time.